So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. Today, we're gonna do something different. As you can actually see, I'm having one ear plug in one of my ears uh, so that I'm actually I'm able to hear something and just on the other hand the other one is broken so I just only can use one so it is what it is you know but uh, we're gonna go through a Seth Godin quote-unquote speech because it is not a speech but it is an excerpt out of a Tom Bilyeu impact theory I think it is called um, yeah it is called impact theory segment and I really am looking forward to it I know it by now but I think it is a really important message and I think it is a really important thing so there might be somebody that does not know about that and I I I don't actually know why because Seth Godin is just such an incredibly interesting personality and such an incredibly thoughtful person it is just really insane like it is something and he's definitely one of the people that I'm looking looking up to definitely because he's really fucking good but yeah um there I don't know if you just need music then. I guess there's music in the video. The notes are like... Uh, by the way, um, if you want to just listen to it as it would be a podcast, because it actually is a podcast, then please check out the first or the second link in the description. But yeah, you know, we're going to see, and we're going to then talk about it. I, I'm, I'm actually very sorry if I'm going to stop the video while it is playing, and I also hope that I'm not going to get any just issues with that. You know, kind of. But, but we'll see. You know, we'll see, and we'll have a look at it. And we'll do whatever. So yeah. I hope it is actually not too loud or something. I think it is actually as loud as I am or should be. As far as I can see. But it is just really fucking loud on my on my earphones. Like it is insane. The story of Icarus is uh, fascinating to look at from a cultural perspective. It's been around for thousands of years. We all know it. Daedalus and Icarus go to a desert island. Daedalus the dad makes wings out of feathers gives them to his son, puts them on with wax, says to his son, obey your father, we're flying out of here. Don't fly too high, because if you fly too high, the wax will melt and you'll die. And we all know what happened. Icarus got uppity, he had hubris, he disobeyed his father, and he died. Except that's not what the myth said in 1700, or 1500, or 1200. They changed it. It used to say, but more important, don't fly too low. Because if you fly too low, the water and the mist will weigh down your wings and you will surely perish. They took that part out. They took it out because the people in power, the industrialists, want us to fly lower. Yes, and, and this is the point where he's just talking about... Um, uh, also, th this is also a huge point that he's quite often making when he's talking about the school and, and the school system itself because um, it is... It, it is, and I think it actually was. And you know, I think this is something that I, that 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 is for sure the case, or that was the case. That school was built because of the industrial system to make workers. In the end, kinda. At least this is also something that I've gotten talking about. But I don't know if it is also the case with the whole just um, with the whole uh, Icarus story or Icarus. Uh, is it a book? Well, let's just go with the story, I'd say. <laughs> so, um, I'm not quite sure about that. I think sometimes it is a tiny bit overdone, but because I've also searched it up and I wasn't able to find something, but I mean, I really do kind of have to, to, to believe in whatever he's saying. You know, not everything, 
but in terms of these things, like, yeah, I mean, um, it is also a Wikipedia thing. You know, if you're just Googling the Icarus story, then you're also going to see that, um, that, that there is a small little section where it says, like, okay, Seth Gordon said, blah, 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 that, that it hasn't been the case for always, but in the 1700s, they just changed the whole story. But in the end, I do have to say that it would be actually a quite a good method. It kind of reminds me of some, some regimes, you know, where they've also censored some things and they've also just uh, took away some things from the uh, society, actually, in the end. Um, it makes sense. It is a good thing to do if you're willing to just make workers. Then it just actually makes sense to tell them, well, please don't fly too high, you know, because you're gonna die then. But never ever talk about what it is when you're just flying really low, which, by the way, is also something that um, Les Brown has been talking about, you know. If you're just aiming too high and miss, you're still going to be really high in the air. But if you're aiming too low and hit, then you're going to be low any fucking way. Which is kind of a quote-unquote art there. If you really just try to, to hit the really high point, then possibilities are really, really, really high that you're going to just uh, hit something in the middle or maybe in the upper part. It's maybe even going to be in the lower part. But hitting something on the really, really low part is not going to be as likely. You know, it's the exact same thing as learning, actually. If you're just trying to get an A in the test, or let's let's actually talk about, let's talk about a B. If you're going for a B, then learning for an A would be a smart idea. The possibility is there that you're getting an A, but the possibilities are also really high to get a B or a C. But if you're like, okay, I'm going to go for a C, then you're going to learn for a C. The problem there is then the chances of getting a C is like there, but also chances for a D and an E and an F and, and whatnot. They're also pretty high because you're just trying to get there, you know? Which is something that I think is a pretty interesting thought. Because it's easier to ignore us. It's easier to keep us in line. It's easier to get a factory job that way. People who have the hubris to dream of something bigger change the status quo. And the people who are in charge aren't in favor of that. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. But I do know. Which is actually something that I've been thinking about. Like, okay, it really sounds like a conspiracy theory, but. Well, where, where public school came from. And public school was invented by factory owners who didn't have enough compliant factory workers. And it worked great. For a hundred years, we had this wonderful. By the way, the. Can I? Yes, this one. Um, like, it is insane. I don't know if this is actually the case in some country that the teacher is going to be around and like shouting around like fucking dumbass and and whatnot. I hope not. I really hope not. Oh, this is no, I didn't want to do that. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I think as a teacher, there is that there, I think there's two sides of being a teacher. First of all, um, I really believe that you're able to change a lot of shit for people and for the kids. I think it is just an insane thing that you're having so much leverage over them. You know, they believe in what you're saying. They are going to do whatever you're just talking about. They are going to take serious what you're talking about. Most often, of course, not always. Um, it depends on who you are. But I think you're just having a lot of leverage. I think you're just able to do such a lot. You know, you're basically having an audience. And not everyone has an audience. And becoming a teacher isn't that of a hard thing. You know, for example, in my school, there's a lot of teachers that have been in, in the economy and then they decide to just be a teacher and there's just, I think, a few few things you have to do. Like it's it might be like one test or something, um, some pedagogical or whatever it's called, I don't know. And then you just can be a teacher. Yeah, 
And but on the other hand, it is like well, um, especially if it is about like being in a in a in a practical oriented school, like I am in graphic design school. It is like, why are you a teacher? Maybe you've been just really shit, and therefore you're just a teacher right now. You know, which is something that a lot of people are thinking about. Like, why should I be listening to you? You're a fucking teacher. You're not even in, in the economy anymore. You don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Especially if it is an older teacher that has been in this school for quite some time. On the other hand, it seemed to be, at least this is something that the teacher said. I don't know when, I guess. I think it's it's been last week or something. But a lot of artists, you know, which is kind of related to graphic design, a lot of artists um, have become uh, teachers in the past as well too, so that they can just survive, basically. And that is something that I'm seeing there as well. And, you know, but the problem is if you're just a teacher just because you have to, and people clearly notice that you're, you're not a good teacher because you're, like, always pissed and, and whatnot, like, yeah. And public school was invented by factory owners who didn't have enough compliant factory workers. And it worked great. For 100 years, we had this wonderful system. Do what you're told, go to the placement office, you'll get a job for 50 years. You will like the job, but you'll be able to go home and watch TV, buy enough stuff, you'll need a storage unit, and then you'll die. <laughs> and the deal was straightforward and kept on both sides. And during our lifetime, in the last 20 years, it deals off. And the mistake, the problem, is that people are still seduced into thinking that what they're supposed to do is fit in more. And social media has made it worse because there's this whole pack mentality of how do I fit in more with small bursts of here's one quick tip for a flat stomach and three different ways to get rich and you can learn to flip houses today and be a millionaire tomorrow. None yes, it is something that we are all seeing. Well, it is actually pretty interesting that he's pointing out Jordan Belfort's straight line system because I've always been talking about it as a course. I think it has been, but there is also a book on that. I think it is the Wolf of Wall Street book, but he's also talking about his quote-unquote strategy there or tactics, whatever you want to call it. There's actually, it's not the same thing, like tactics and strategy is not the same thing, but I always forget about what what is, so yeah, anyway, um, the thing is, yes, you're not going to be rich by just fucking dropshipping, it's still going to be a lot of work, also not by YouTubing, I've been just, been a YouTuber and podcast and whatnot for more than a year now, and it is quite some work, you know, I've been getting up at 6.20 today. Uh, for I mean, I mean, I like it. I like I, I just do it because I like it. This is also a huge part of that. I, you know, I, w I wouldn't be doing this, um, especially because I do just still have enough time. Like I could be doing just way more, but I kind of tend to waste some time, which is something that I need to change up. But, um, but yeah. Anyway, um, I would. I think it also, uh, even though I don't like it, I kind of do have to admit that social media might have been just doing harm to this thing. On the other hand, I do also have to say, like, uh, I don't know. I think it is more about society, that we just need to fit in some kind. I know that a lot of people do just want to fit in. I don't know if it is... I think it is just something that's quite natural. And, of course, there are some people that are just going to be different. But they are going to fit in into a different group. Um, in terms of, like, okay, if you're just looking like a gothic person, then you're going to just have friends that are also gothic. And you're going to fit in with them or into that group but you're not going to fit in into a general society or some shit. But, I mean, being normal is boring. None of which work, right? But the combination of those two mean that people are starting to feel broken and bitter because the promise isn't being kept. So you have a choice. 
And the choice is one of three things. Either you're the replaceable cog in the pyramid who's gonna get paid as little as possible, or you're the founder, the owner, the person who runs the thing. But for most of us, the best choice is to be the linchpin, the one we can't live without. The person... Linchpin, by the way, is a book that he also wrote. ...who figures out what to do next. And I'm betting that of the 1,400 people who work for you, you had 50 linchpins. Mandatory education makes no sense. Nobody ever learned anything against their will. Sooner or later, it becomes voluntary. You need enrollment. Not enrollment from the legal sense of you're not truant, but enrollment in the sense that you are leaning into it and want to learn it. So if we want to teach someone to be a baseball fan, here's what we don't do. We don't say, here's the baseball textbook, there'll be a test tomorrow. And if you do well, you can take another test. And if you do 10 tests in a row really well, we'll take you to a game. That's not what happens. But yet, kids memorize all these statistics and they know all this stuff because they wanted to know it. And then there's also something that he's often talking about, like, why do we memorize things? It is way faster to look it up because we have fucking Google. Like, it made sense a few years ago to memorize shit. But nowadays it's like, hmm, it's more important to know the concept. It is more important to know how to use it and then just look it up when you use it or when you are in need of it. When you need it, then you're looking it up if you're, because you're willing to use it because you know how to use it. And I think it makes sense, um, more sense than kind of just memorizing everything, maybe without just even knowing how it is working. I'm just really thinking about maths there that, um, I mean, like, yeah, just knowing how things are working makes sense. But often it is the case that, especially for me, I guess, that it is about, that it is not necessarily about about how things work because this most often makes sense part of what, what something is, kind of. I'm not sure. So we must begin by gaining enrollment. And there are a couple ways to do it. One way is to promise a quick win, right? Just read these six paragraphs and you will lose 30 pounds. And it's easy to get the Hello? masses to, to pay a dollar for that. But it doesn't work. It's a dead end. The other way to do it is to say to people, being a Navy SEAL or being physically fit or being smart at business, these are endeavors. They take effort. If you're ready to pay the price to get the benefit, there are people who will teach you. So it's the opposite of the question, will this be on the test? If you're asking, will this be on the test from an online course or from a school, what you're basically saying to the teacher is, without a certificate, I don't need to be here. I'm only here to prove that I was here. And it is always something that I think about when somebody in class says, like, is this gonna be on a test, you know, on the next test? And I always think like, well, I mean, it just shows that we don't want to learn it. It just shows that we do not want to do it. And in this post-educational institution world that we're entering, certificates are worth less and less. What's actually worth something is, did you sign up to learn something where you opened yourself up to possible failure, opened yourself up to the stress of becoming someone else in a way that made you better? And not everyone wants to do that. But my mission is to work with the people who do so that I can help them open those doors. Your job is to make people feel welcome and to connect with them. So there's this space between you and them. 
And the question is, will you risk entering the space? Putting yourself forward, even though in that moment, the person might say, you totally misjudged what was happening here. I don't want your smile and I don't want your connection. But when you do it well, not only is it addictive, it creates enormous amounts of possibility. And so that leap into the void doesn't mean mortgage your house and put everything you've got on one business project. It means, are you hooked on that feeling of this might not work and this might work? We'll find out. The system wants you to feel mostly powerless because they have power, you don't. And it also wants you to feel inadequate until you buy more stuff because that's what marketers sell us, is the idea that if, until you buy this, you're incomplete. It turns out those two things don't make people happy. What makes us happy is agency, knowing that we have some sort of control over what's going to happen. Yes, I would say this as well. If we do know that there is a sense of control that we're having over something, over our life, it is fulfilling, I would say. But of course, if you feel like, okay, I am in need of this and that, and I do just need this to work, which is something that I cannot control so that I can do this and that. I mean, uh, yeah, it doesn't feel that great, I would say. And he's just talking about such a lot of things, such a lot of, of, of interesting things and important things. And um, also something that he pointed out is like choosing yourself, choosing yourself and, and, and stepping forward and being the leader and being the one that is just leading the tribe and, and trying it and going for it instead of just letting someone choose themselves instead of yes and unfortunately the economic structure that we live in isn't going to be easy for most people to fix not in the short run but what we can fix right now is how we respond or react to what's happening in front of us and my friend Kat Hoke says you can't be curious and angry at the same time that's interesting so you get a choice, right? You get a choice in the traffic jam. You get a choice when you're dealing with an angry clerk. You get a choice with a bureaucrat. And this is a very stoic thought. You know, it is one of the basic stoic thoughts that there is always a reaction to a situation. Like, it's, it's not about the situation. It's about the reaction to the situation that is making us um, do certain things. Because, I mean, now at this point in time, I could also be angry if I choose to. You know, kind of. But I could also just choose to do the natural thing. Or if I'm just in a traffic jam, then of course it might be letting me get angry. But I could also be like, well, you know what? Um, I might be missing the new series that's going to come out today, but I'm just having more time to think about some things while I'm driving here, while I'm just staying in the traffic in the traffic jam. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things you can put into the positive when it is actually something that's quote-unquote negative, because then there is nothing that's negative. Am I going to be curious about how this person got to this moment? Or am I going to be angry at the situation? And what we find is that as a parent, as a clerk at 7-Eleven, as a third grade teacher, we could dig deep into emotional labor. Not the physical labor of digging a latrine, but the emotional labor of sitting when we feel like running, of whispering when we feel like yelling. We could dig deep and say, in this moment, I'm going to choose to be the best version of myself and seek possibility. And it turns out that that's a life, that you can build an entire life merely doing that. And then what happens, more often than not, is the world responds by inviting you to play on a bigger stage. So this is not about hustling. I'm not a fan of hustling. I'm a fan of a generous hustle 
and the generous hustle says, how can I do things in the world to leave a better trail and to help other people, not how do I do things so I get my fair share? Because the world doesn't respond well to hustlers. They don't like being hustled. But the world responds really well to people who take responsibility and give away credit. And that boundary there is totally different. And if you work in an organization that can't respect that, there's another one that wants you. Yes. Taking responsibility and um, well, yeah, being the generous person, I'd say, and being the kind person, I'd say. Being the person that is creating change for people that care about the change, I would say. But yeah, I'm not really willing to just stretch the episode any longer um, because this is going to be the end here. So I wish you the best health, of happiness and all success and also hope that you've liked it. And I hope, I hope that you've liked this new quote-unquote way of doing the podcast kind of. <laughs> and yeah, I'm hopefully going to see you the next time. So I wish you the best health, of happiness and all success and also hope that you're going to remind yourself and you're going to be remembered. It's basically means your legacy basically means just being a nice person that being remembered as a nice person. Three, the questions that I'm having for you are why are you here? What are you trying to change and what is bothering you the most? These three questions are important. Please ask yourself them and maybe even consider subscribing to the podcast and the YouTube channel. I'm going to see you the next time. I at least hope.